And I think Nafal said it like, where there got to be either two choices in the future or near future where it's like, on one side, you have like, you want to be the biggest. So you're big, you're as big as a company that you're basically bigger than nation states so that you kind of, kind of tell nation states what they should do instead of the nation state trying to make laws to prohibit you from doing your maximizing your, your potential of your company. <laughs> Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Convos. Apologies for the delay. We're quite late today due to some unforeseen circumstances, <laughs> uh, some logistics and... So how do we, how open do you want to keep it during the show? Because I... Let's just go, you know. Okay, okay. Open, so, but but I, I am feeling... I, I, I slept a lot today, yeah, not okay. gonna lie. How, how familiar are you with the term uh, forced throw-up? Well, I, I can only imagine that, you know, you, you force yourself throw up having eaten something bad or something, but yeah, well, not, not something in particular I could come up with that I've done maybe. I mean, I've, I've had a very fun student life and as a student, I know multiple occasions where friends of mine and I might have occasionally done it as well, decided they were kind of like in this drunk situation where they were feeling, they weren't feeling quite well, but they know if they, they knew if they threw up. Oh, yes. If, if everything you're goes away and you kind of start blank, you start from scratch and you. If, if you're ask, describing it like that, yes, then I am familiar yeah. with the concept. Okay. So <laughs> that concept is like, it's, it's world renowned, you know, like you're, you're, you're sick because you did a little bit too much of drinking or too much of eating and you're like, you know what's going to help if I just drop, it's, it's going to get better. And often, often it does. And usually it's in those cases when you drank too much or you had a little too much to eat that and you feel unwell that you do it. And for me today, it was just an itch in my throat and I was frustrated and I couldn't get the itch out. I couldn't get the calm out. And I was taking a shower and I was just like, let's try it. <laughs> the disappointing thing of everything is the itch in my throat is still there. And it's just annoying the hell out of me. Have you figured out what caused it? Or because, you know, if it's no, I haven't, no, I I haven't figured, figured out. It's really like, and you know, when you're sick and you throw up, it's like a lot of bodily fluids and those kind of things. Yeah. Well. And for me, it wasn't. It was just. Part of my dinner, <laughs> just, I was like, yeah, but I mean, so it's, it's a very irritating thing. So that's why we're a little bit later today because I had some unforeseen circumstances as well. And, and the reason why I bring it up is because with COVID and also health. I yeah. That, that's the first thing I yeah. came up to my like, you okay? Yeah. So actually it's, it's, I'm actually healthier than I've been in quite a while. And I started off 2022 quite well. I played a couple of games of tennis this weekend, which I did for the first time in at least five years. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't remember playing a match, let alone three, three full sets, uh, of doubles, uh, in, in, in the last five years. So I still feel the pain in certain parts of my body. But then yesterday together with, with Raul Ibrahim, we also walked a weekly walk that we currently are building up again, which we kind of did last year as well. But now we're trying to do it every week. And we also, we walked about five and a half kilometers. So it's kind of a good build up to being active every day of the week and trying to live a little bit healthier in 2022 than in 21. So this is kind of annoying for me that I'm trying to improve my health, but at the same time, I'm getting like these small, yeah, you, you hear it's like that, right? Like yeah. you shift something drastically or, you know, the body isn't used to it, it pushes yeah. back. So I, I, I understand that part of it because it's a kind of a, like a reaction to something new. Speaking of that, Greg, welcome to the stream and glad to have you around today. 
Yeah, so that yeah. means we're there. It's question time. That means that you are allowed to ask a little bit more questions than usual. I think what we're going to talk to about a little bit today is kind of what's trending. Things that either underrated and are becoming more and more important in today's world and yeah, are it's basically going to be a big overrated, underrated yeah. episode. It's going to be a big overrated, underrated. So why don't we kick it off? Do you want, do you have like a question that overrated, underrated in mind? that you want to start with? Or well, you want me to start? I, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind or the big news that I seen today happening along Twitter is the acquisition of Blizzard, Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. And for some context, uh, Activision Blizzard, it was first Blizzard and then Activision acquired Blizzard and now Microsoft is acquiring this. So Blizzard's one of the big, I guess, biggest gaming companies like uh, game producers, developers, they've developed the uh, World of Warcraft. What's the other one called? Oh, I I'm blanking out here. But yeah, World of Warcraft is uh, the popular one, Starcraft, Diablo, all these games popular in the 2000s. And yeah, they have been under a lot of heat lately because of company policies and, and stuff and players moving away from their products and the acquisition by Microsoft, you know, another world yeah, conglomerate uh, tech company acquiring something like Blizzard who all, and they also already control something like Xbox. So entering the full gaming scene, what do you think about that? So, okay. So here's the funny thing about that. Even with my first experience in the metaverse, I had to log in to the, to an app that I had to get on the Microsoft store. Can you just imagine that? And that's why we talk about the, the cryptocurrency maxis and the NFTs maxis, because like the cryptocurrency maxis are kind of like saying like, no to the establishment, no to centralized and everything. And the NFT maxis are kind of like, it should have value and it should work. And they're much more towards, they don't care if a company is centralized or decentralized or it's a company, so it's centralized, but they don't care if like a, a function or part of, of the world is centralized or decentralized. They care about something that's functioning, it works well, and it has utility. Whereas the crypto maxi is all about decentralization and yeah. not giving more to, and it, and, it needs to solve a problem. Yeah. And, uh, Gregory quickly fact-checked it yeah. here, like a uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard with a market cap of 54 billion and, you know, assets minus liability, 17 billion and Microsoft paid like four times that amount. Yeah, but you, you, you buy a company with the idea of growth and I mean, mm. it, it can, it can go either two ways. It can be either Instagram where you buy it for a million and it's worth a bit and it's worth billions or, or sorry, you buy it for how much did they buy? How much did they buy a, a Instagram for? For 1 billion, I think. Yeah. They bought it for 1 billion. So either it's, it's an Instagram story. Or it's uh, geocities or broadcast.com. Yeah, kind of Instagram became an extension of Facebook, of uh, kind of uh, a new. No, 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 but nobody, before it became an ex, it, I mean, it, the, the, the idea is it was bought for 1 billion. At the time, it wasn't valued for a billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was. They bought for 1 billion and it's now. They saw the potential. X, yeah, X amount worth more. Or it could be like geocities or broadcast.com that Yahoo really overextended on and actually it never picked up. It never got to be what, what it was going to be. So it's a big loss. And there are a couple of other examples. Yahoo, Yahoo's acquisitions between 97 and 2004 are like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, you can, you can predict those kind of things, but yeah, well, let's not predict, but if you, if you look at a space, the development or on how things are moving, big time company acquiring a, a major gaming, you know, player in the world, what, what implications do you think it will have in, in the space in general? Do you think this acquisition is overrated, underrated, or uh, how do you see it? It depends on how, how do you look at it? From what perspective do you look on it? Look at it. Let's approach it from what it would mean for the gaming space. Cause you know, I think Candy Crush also gaming, falls for under gaming, No, but Microsoft for the gaming right space, now. it's a huge win. Mm. For the gaming space, it's a huge, first of all, 
it's it's gonna become more commercial. The games are gonna become more commercial. They're gonna become valuable. There's gonna be more competition. It's gonna open doors for others for the gaming industry. I mean, for the game itself, maybe not such a for for the game for Blizzard itself, maybe not such a good idea. I mean, in ten years time, you might have a documentary where higher ups from Blizzard will be like, "Yeah, it was a mistake that we the direction that Microsoft went with the company is not what we had in mind when." to go for but can you blame them in the end mm. for being acquired for 70 billion I, I don't think so i mean it's also you don't and that's another thing you th this and i think for entrepreneurs this is a very very big question you should ask yourself like what are your intentions with a company are you, your intentions to say like i'm gonna ride this company until i die i'm not gonna step back or i'm gonna find a replacement with the risks that a replacement, even if it's my own family, they run it into the ground or they don't care about it as much or they just leave the company and in a great state and there's no really follow-up. Or do you say like, hey, this is the opportunity to sell the company, let's sell the company and we can still do it for five more years and then we can do something completely different that we find fun as well. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Is, is the value, is it 70 billion, is it worth it? I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth at any time to build, keep in this time, in this day and age, to continuously try to build like this one big company that beats everything. Because basically that's what they're, what they're, what they're doing here. Yeah. Um, they're fighting to build a monopoly. Kind of that, yeah. that's. They, they want to have the monopoly to have to be the biggest. And I think Nafal said it like, we're, there gotta be either two choices in the future or near future where it's like, on one side you have to like, you want to be the biggest. So you're big, you're as big as a company that you're basically bigger than nation states. So that you kind of, kind of tell nation states what they should do instead of the nation state trying to make laws to prohibit you from doing your maximizing your, your potential of your company. So that's one approach. And the second approach, which is my talking point for, for today is super niche skilled work, like a niche labor, whereas you're a good example, like some a company can approach you for a very specific job that you can do best and others in the field aren't quite as good, or you're the ultimate fit for that company. And they pay you because your niche, niche skills are so good that they want to work with you and they're willing to pay more than competitors because they want to work with you. So kind of, you have these kind of two separate ways to go about it. And like everybody in the middle kind of is stuck. Speaking of that last part, how do you think about that, you know, companies looking for that specific person, a specific niche expertise, but it's so crowded now. It's so flooded now. How do you stand out from the crowd, especially in, you know, this online world where all the borders get you know, uh, fizzled away. So here, here's the funny thing, like the really funny thing. Like we always think like, and like 10, 20, yeah, even 10 years ago, it was all about networking. Like the generation before us, and this is also a generational thing. Like the generation before us was all about networking, knowing the right people. When you know the right people, you get to the right parties, you get invited, you get to speak to the right people. And you're like, yeah, we need somebody like do you. And that's how you get in. And the problem with that kind of networking today is the people that get in through those networks, very rarely they actually have the skills that are necessary at the moment. So it's kind of going the other way around now. It's kind of going the other way around. And you see it in the crypto space because Gregory is asking that question. So what's happening is like a lot of people that I follow that are doing stuff with NFTs and really from a community perspective are people helping people out. They are actually getting approached by the bigger organizations that actually run those spaces and saying like, Hey, you're doing such a great job with the community. Can you please come and work for us? And so that's kind of like the difference now, like it used to be like, okay, you really have to network. They have to be good. And now it's more like, Hey, the companies, they already see the kind of work you put out and if you're good, and that kind of makes them already interested, like. Yeah, I like what you're doing. Can we? Yeah. I, I kind of have a 
I'm inter- interpreting that a bit differently. Let's take Twitter, for example. As you mentioned, you know, you, you build this community, you build this following. And especially if it's a big company, for me, I, I'm not saying it's all the times, but especially in crypto, since Gregory mentioned crypto, what's happening a lot now, in my opinion, from my observation, is that these bigger companies are actually just kind of what Facebook was doing with Instagram. They, they're just gobbling up these uh, creators just to get the audience. Yeah, That's kind of depends. It depends. It depends. It really depends. And you can overextend. Yeah. Like if you take everybody out of the pool, there's nobody left and it, it, com- it becomes like, yeah, you can't do anything with it anymore. But, but the, on the other hand, there's enough supply. If, if you're looking if at is, your supply and the hey, wind, if, there, there's if you know, tons of supply. Let, let's get one thing clear. If you run an NFT project, like any kind of NFT project, and you have people that are starting a YouTube channel, multiple people, like hundreds, maybe dozens of people that are actually starting a YouTube channel or a Twitter. Of course, tens of dozens of people are just starting a Twitter account specifically for that project, for your business. Just to interact with your business, people are opening Twitter accounts. That's the first sign that you're doing something right. And then secondly, people have dedicated YouTube channels to discuss your product. Diego, come on. If you have multiple, if you have like a hundred, 200 people all over the world who start a YouTube channel to make videos just to discuss your product, I mean, that kind of already puts into perspective how, how good of a quality it is. It's a difference between me, for instance, saying like, okay, I'm going to talk about this project or this product, and I'm just going to spend one episode on it. And people that go online and stream for four times a week to talk about one specific product. And oh yeah. Yeah. They, they are all in, into that. Uh, they yeah. have all the research they, they're on all the, you know, uh, community calls. Yeah. They have all the, yeah, yeah. not and, all, but they, they I, scoop out alpha. <laughs> And, and that's already step three, because I think step two or one is actually companies building products for your product. Like you have a product that's, that's so good that other companies, what if it, products you don't even have a product, but they build a product for your brand. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's insane. Like it, and it, you know, what's difficult. It's really hard for, for company. Who is not in the, in that scene to understand what we're talking about? I want to take Mechaverse, for example, big NFT project launched, uh, last year. And I think I shared their recent keynote on Facebook as well. Beautiful presentation. I was just blown away by how they, you know, uh, did that. But if you look at how Mechaverse started, it was kind of just an idea by artists, talented artists from France, and they were into, you know, anime, mecha art, the, the, the whole culture behind it. And they make, made like very, very high quality 3D renders of mechas as their art NFT project. And it was just a project purely for art, but because it is such a niche topic, niche thing, the community rapidly grew organically. I, think they did like minimum, you know, Twitter and, and marketing, but it just grew organically. I think the discord server was at 1.250,000. It's only now after the, it was just a, you know, art project that they sold out within seconds when the, the NFT drop released and now have funds that it's only now in 2022 that they formally established a business around it and started hiring people to actually build something around it. And if you look at a Discord, there's actually people in the community who are actually writing lore on these mechas right now yeah. to a bigger story. And it just started with, you know, a personal, yeah, personal art project, but by two, two guys. And yeah, so if it has value, so that's, I think that's, that's the important thing. I mean, the lore writing is an interesting, I almost consider for Axie. For Axie Infinity, I considered writing lures, but I'm already into deep in too many projects. So I was like, I have to stand down for this one. I can't even write a blog 
uh, every week. So why, why would I do that? So I think that's also to put in perspective that these people, and that kind of gets in, in to the, the topic of future of employing would look like, I mean, like 40 hour work week, like you have to understand where the 40 hour work week comes from. And you have to understand that somebody who successfully transitioned from a 40 hour work week to a, still a very structured week, but without having the constraints of a 30 hour, 40 hour work week, you can almost never go back to going a nine to five or eight to four job. You, you just, you just can't. And I think that's also what's, what's, what's pissing a lot of people in our generation off is, is there's so much emphasis on hours yeah. and, and incorrect measurements of hours, because let's be honest, if you have 20 employees, not even 50, not even a hundred, not even thousands, if you have 20 employees and you're going to time manage them. And you're just going to focus on what time they arrive at work and what time they leave. And you're that's gonna not have, a, yeah, that's not a, a fair measurement of output. It, it's going to give you a clear idea of how people perceive time, but you don't know the background behind it. And you don't know how efficient that time is being used. So it, it used to be a mechanism a mechanism that you could use to kind of oversee things. And it's still considered, but all these kind of mechanisms have been kind of outdated. They, they no longer fit, fit the purpose. Yeah. That's basically, if you look at the history, I think it is uh, in the 1920s, thirties, around that time with the industrial revolution, kind of optimizing workers. Uh, I think it was Henry Ford, right? With the, uh, yeah, Henry Ford, that's Henry yeah. Ford. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of where it started. That, that's where it kind of got popularized. No, Toyota perfected it. The, the Toyota way, like, and that's where a lot of big time managers and big time CEOs, uh, that are, have become big in the nineties. That's where they build around their own. Well, but you have to look at the type of work it is and was, you know, based on back then and kind of the type of work that we're talking about now that people are. Yeah. Doing. If you're in a production company, yeah. in a production line company, if you're producing like, for instance, alcohol or soft drinks or those kind of things, and you're really like in, in the production part of the company, if you are a delivery and, and, and a distribution company that has to deliver everything at set times. If you're in, uh, the hospitality and you have to serve breakfast and lunch and dinner at set times, yes, of course you have to be punctual. You have to be stepped. You have to make sure that after you go, the, the whole, the whole supply chain runs smoothly. But if you're in the creative space, there are other things that are more important. And I think it's now only now that we're seeing that creatives are actually becoming financially successful as well, because the idea was even 20, 30 years ago, if you become a music artist, you're going to become a visual artist. If you've got to become something, any kind of kind of creative, you're going to struggle to make money. You're not going to survive in this space. It's usually only after you're, you know, you're not <laughs> that <here> anymore. <laughs> The, the, the uh, classic Picasso story. And, and Picasso and those kind of, yeah. So that's, that's very, that's, that thing is changing. And then of course you also have the other side that people are so much romanticizing the idea of running your own business or having your own product or living your own life. It's so much being romanticized that of course we forget to realize like it's not for everybody. The grass isn't always greener. So it's, you it's, can it's, make it greener, but it's ultimately it's up to you and yeah. you have to know yourself yeah. with that. Yeah. And speaking of the bureaucratic systems, yeah, if, if you're looking at the traditional companies, the bigger the companies, the harder it is to introduce that because there are so many systems that have been built up over the years. It's, it's, it's all management style. 
Yeah. It's great. It's all management style. It doesn't matter. You have companies that have uh, a CEO that's the same age, that has the same cultural background, that has the same degree, academic degree, but they run the companies completely differently. And here's the terrible thing. If you have a CEO that wants to work flexible and you have employees that want almost top-down, full, micromanaged, yeah, micromanaged senior staff, and you have a flexible staff, it's not going to work. The other way around, it's not going to work either. If you have a company that's very traditional and really has a top-down structure that you have to follow with set rules, and the people that are working there actually are more kind of less affair, kind of flexible work, it's not going to work. And that's why changes in management are so messed up. If you work for a company and you've had five CEOs in the past 10 years, it's a complete chaos because every time the new CEO comes, they change kind of parts of the system. And even if they don't try to change too much, if they move away in two years again, and it's already the third person in four years time, it's for like, you don't know what procedures are consistently being used. You don't even know why the procedures are there sometimes before, because the person that introduced the procedure is already gone by the time you've got in the hang of the procedure. I mean, or by the time it's even implemented. It's, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of brings me to the topic that my wife and I actually discussed a lot, which is exit interview. Instead of exit interviews or personal development interviews, they're actually stay interviews now. Wait. So a stay interview. Elaborate on that, please. Okay. Yeah. A stay interview is an interview that a company has with one of the employees to convince that employee to stay at the company. All right, and how is that working out so far? Well, it's kind of being introduced because here's the, so my dad actually sent me a video of an Indian thought leader who was, somebody approached him after a conference and was like, hey, we're having a huge turnover problem. So a lot of employees are leaving. So we're kind of putting like these kind of benefits for them to stay at the company longer. And interestingly, he just said like, no, it's not going to work. It's not like going to work. And like everything the guy said, he said, it was not going to work. And here's the, here's the funny thing about that. Basically he said, in the current workforce, we have three generations. We have the boomer yeah. generation. We have the gen, the we gen Y and the gen an X. Episode the, two weeks ago with Reina. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, and it extends on the rain, the episode we had with Reina and the reason I asked those questions. But so what he explained is the boomers, they kind of got in the situation where they had to work to survive. So they had to have a job because they needed money so they could survive. So they took care of that. They not, did not only take care of that, that they had money to survive, but they also kind of paved the way for their children and their grandchildren that they don't have to work to survive. They will survive. So under, understand this, that. If you really, and that's something that happens in our community at the moment, if you really, you're a bum, you're not doing anything, in the worst case, you're going to live at your grandparents' house and you're going to do chores for them, but you'll have a roof above your head. Mm -hmm. So your grandparents kind of took care of that. Then you have the kind of degeneration Gen X, and they're really interested in state of life. So it's not about working somewhere to get money to survive, but it's about working up for a certain status, a certain state of life that you get with a certain house, a certain roof above your head, a certain kind of car, a certain kind of lifestyle that you're sure that I'm, you're actually working so you can afford things that you feel like are necessary in life. Now you have to imagine that if the first generation took care of working so that you have money and a second generation to care about working so you can afford a certain lifestyle. The third, the third generation, which is the millennials is like, yeah, but I actually want to be happy. I want to have a good quality of life. I don't care about the status. I don't care about the money, but I actually want to have enjoyment in my life. You mean Gen Z, right? The no, 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 no. Gen X. We're talking about our generation, the millennials. So the boomer generation is the, the, the generation that's now in their seventies and is retired. And then the Gen X generation yeah. is the generation between 45 and around 60. 
It's kind of where most world leaders are right now. And then you have the millennial generation with yeah, Gen Y, the, the Gen Y, the current, the current generation that's currently the, the generation that's full into the workforce right? and they're more about quality of life. So there's a big difference between this, a state of life and quality of life. And that's why you're all of a sudden having these millennials where in the past, somebody stayed at a job because they needed a job security for money to survive. That's the boomer generation. Then you mm -hmm. have a generation that stayed at a job because they didn't want to let go of the lifestyle, the state of life that they had. They wanted to enjoy that same comfort of lifestyle. So they stayed at that job. And now you have a generation that's saying, yeah, but I don't know the way, like the way I'm being treated. So I'm just going to leave. So now all of a sudden you have a generation that's just saying like, I don't want to work here. I'm going to leave. And yeah, the idea basically of, what, what Devin's saying right here, yeah. he still left. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's, it's done. You don't have anything for me anymore. So I'm leaving. And for a generation that has always been like, you listen to the boss, you listen to the boss, the boss is right. Don't argue, just work hard. And for a generation that is like, Hey, if you work here, you have these luxuries. And if you go away, you might not have these luxuries again. They cannot fully comprehend a generation that's just saying like, yeah, but I don't care. I don't value these things. I'm just going to move on. I'm going to find. I also want to expand on that a little because I've been, you know, looking at this also from the, the, the wealth perspective, wealth gained and the wealth shifts that are happening now around the world and the, and between the generations building on that, what you say, you know, the boomers, they've kind of worked art especially those that went into the entrepreneurial route, they build their own business. If you look at the, all the, you know, the millionaires, the people who've made it now, a lot of them, I think uh, the stats were like 80 to 90% were self-made. It, it wasn't through inheritance. And the issue that's happening now with the generation, transition between the generation, they've put in all the hard work. They know what they went through to put in, to earn that type of wealth. And the next generation that follows up doesn't have that, you know, they, they haven't been backed into a corner where they was do or die to build that empire. They don't know the inner workings of how, you know, all these negotiations went. And you see that locally too, with these big companies, these family companies that usually by the second, the third, usually by the third or fourth generation that, that, fam that family gone. business kind of dies down and then the cycle starts again. And, and the only way it doesn't die down, if, if you put somebody in there, like there's every generation, there's somebody just that has the culture that's interested, that wants to do that job, that wants to do that work. And it's, there's no, if not even a question that they're going to take over because they just want to do it. They yeah. kind of already know at a very young age that they're going to take over or not. And okay. those are very few in between yeah. and add, adding to that also, and it usually the next generation kind of wants to step away from all that status as well, because they don't want to be seen as, you know, the son or the daughter of, you know, because you are come from, you know, that kind of a lineage that you, they, they kind of want to be their own person. As you said, it's status and then quality of life. So they, they want to build that by themselves and not be associate per se. You're getting really personal here now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just saying how it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, I think that's one of the, the major things for me as well. And for me, it was difficult because I'm an only child. So for me, it was very logical to follow in certain kind of ways into, into my parents' footsteps. But then a lot of people always forget, like you have, most of the times you have more than one parent, you're having two parents. So in most cases, so it's not only my interests from my father's side, but also from my mother's side. And that can also bring a shift into what you find interesting as well. You're looking at a Twitch notification, aren't you? Yeah, it should be fine. Um, okay. Continue, carry on. So I, so, so let's, let's quickly transition. Let's, let's quickly transition into, into the over under again. So is making a lot of money. So here's the problem with, with, with companies now. So you have this generation who from scratch built this million, billion dollar company 
and they are like 70 and they want to retire and there's nobody to take over this company. Is that an issue? There's several things we need to consider here. And then we're talking about not just the wealth transfer, but you know, the, the legacy and what it means for the community as well. If, if it's, you know, global or just local, if, if you're looking at, and it, I guess I'll rephrase that question a bit. Is it important to, you know, get wealth? Is, is that a good way to rephrase it at, at this time? At a certain point, it becomes greed, right? Yeah. Like, I, at, at what, at what point? I'm quoting, I'm, I'm quoting a lot this episode, but bear with me. I think Ricardo Semler once said that if you reach at a certain point that you want to give back to the community, you've taken too much. Yeah. I guess it's a very, it's a very interesting, I, I, a very I interesting perspective. I feel a little bit, it, it can be misinterpreted, I feel, but it's a very interesting idea and it's kind of a knock to people like Bill Gates and other philanthropists who kind of made so much insane amount and they have a, such an insane amount of wealth that they're also redistributing us insane Yeah, but you, you should also look at the, how proportional, like the impact, the influence they have on the, the world compared to that wealth. And I think that quote is valid to a certain degree. I, I wouldn't necessarily to say greed or too much, but that transitions, I think, after you've accumulated that amount of wealth into purpose, into, you see this a lot after people accumulate a certain amount of wealth, it's, it's not about the money anymore. It's about the, you know, the liberty, the lifestyle, and then they have the depending on who it is, of course, they have the ability to impact. Popular example is always Elon Musk. He does what he, what he wants. No, but he there's a big the difference between Musk and, and Gates. What, what's the difference that you want to emphasize in, in this comparison? Elon doesn't want people to live in a way that he feels is perfect. Like if, if you look at from like one of the biggest knocks against religion, especially Christianity is it's kind of a lifestyle, a way that you have to live rules that you have to abide by. It's the strength of the religion, but it's also its biggest weakness. It's kind of creating these kind of, everybody is the same and has to live through the same structure kind of situations where we yeah, yeah, yeah. where Richest, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the biggest difference between, uh, Gates and Musk. And then also it becomes to a point, like if you screw up too much, Musk is like, okay, we're just going to go to a different planet. If that's the, the yeah, solution. contingency plan and, 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 and Gates like, no, everybody just has to live by my rules and everything will be just fine. And it's kind of, it becomes an, yeah, yeah. a monopoly or how do you call this, uh, in if, if you're mixing the po political terms and the economical yeah. terms, authoritarian disguised as capitalism. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's like, it's like at a certain point, if, if you've, I, I strongly commence Bill Gates to live for five years in a developing country, not him <laughs> just live in a developing country. He doesn't go to the, have to go through extremes, but he has to find out what kind of things or relevant in life choices when you live in a developing country and also has to find out that certain prejudice that he has is just completely wrong and completely misread. But the but, idea that you can read all of that from uh, scientific literature is like, that's where people get stuck. That's exactly where people get stuck. But it, it, it's also a matter of environment uh, and context perspective. Uh, yeah, but that's, it's wanting to change the world, but not really wanting to change the world. It's kind of why a white labor kind of white labor supremacy kind of thinking that you can like from a desk behind, you can, mm. of course you can run a company. If you have a really good team, you can run a company that way, but the team has to be really good. So, and, and, and that's also the idea. So they have a certain idea. What's a prototype? And this is something 
that's seen in politics as well, where the bigger countries move towards. The bigger countries want to see a leader in developing countries that they fit, feel fits the description of what they have in mind of what a good leader is. And that's kind of the disruption that's happening everywhere in the world, in, in politics as well, that yeah, people are- the, the, the East versus yeah. West debate is it's one of the biggest uh, geopolitical things happening in the background right now. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really tough. But, but coming back to, to the yeah. main, main premise is, is kind of, you know, accumulating wealth overrated and underrated. I, I'd say what, what I say is underrated is the, the importance of, you know, the, the literacy on how the economic system works. What is overrated is accumulating, you know, too much wealth. You should, there, there is a certain threshold that you can reach where you needn't worry too much about making more money, but also have the liberty to live life as you know, you want without those financial restrictions. And I think that someone has, that is something someone needs to understand for themselves, what the threshold is and how much that is and work towards that would be a way to, you know, give yourself the freedom to find more purpose and meaning and kind of shift you to that giving back side. Of course, there are people who give, who give back regardless, but that kind of become, starts eating away at them. It becomes detrimental for their, for their personal life at a certain degree. But is it, is it because it's eating on them? They feel like they have the kind of responsibility or is, is it different? Is there an agenda? It's always fun. Like if, if people lend you money or people give you something, a grant, there's also always something in return. Oh, I, I, I am so, so skeptical on all these grants now. First of all, you have to do it according to their terms. And secondly, you don't really, you find the, yourself successful because you have the money to pull off strings. But once it has, it's, it's gone, it's not sustainable because yeah, you use, I, I, I shovel so money. agree. And as soon, as soon as that sum of money is done, you, you haven't built a sustainable structure that you can do it self-sustainingly. So that's, that's, I, I'm more interested. Yeah. My, my point of view on that is at, at this moment, if, if you are, are one of those individuals that wants to impact, you know, you, you're a social justice warrior. My personal opinion is accumulate that wealth first and then execute. Don't go begging for the nonprofits, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You're going to be bogged down by all those regulatory things, those bureaucratic structures. Are you just going to be used? Are you just yeah. going to be used? So you th still, th you that is something yeah. I, I am very, very, you know, a keen believer no, but, in. No, but, but if you're good at it, you know, I Diego, here's, here's what the thing. If you're good at it, I don't mind it. I don't yeah, mind yeah. it because we need people like that as well. And, and I want to go a little bit more into the Elon and, and, and Gates kind of situation, because what I like, what I like about Elon and I, I watched a lot of chess recently for the, since, since actually due to, I grew a very, very keen interest into chess and uh, Magnus Carlsen, Magnus Carlsen has been the world number one chess player for, I think seven, eight years now. And he occasionally goes online to play chess drunk. And he has a specific chess handle for when he's playing chess drunk. And it's, it's fun. And the reason it's fun, it makes him human. So there are kind of two kind of specialists, like highs of the world that I really respect in the sense that it, it, it brings a certain amount of authenticity. And the one is the, the, the Elon Musk, Magnus Carlson kind of person that shows like, Hey, I'm extremely well talented and good at something, but I also kind of know yeah. how to have a little ben, fun. Personality. Or you have the kind of Cristiano Ronaldo, Kobe, no, 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 the Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo, Kobe Bryant kind of ex, ex insane work ethic. But aside from the work ethic, they want to share with others as well. It's kind of second nature that they want to share with others as well. And 
they don't really don't put it in a in the spotlight when they when they share with others. And those kind of two extremes are things that I find interesting. I don't like the ones that are like, this is how the world should work. So to, to keep it at Gates is like, I would really appreciate it if he shared the knowledge on how he built the things he built instead of trying to tell us how the world should be. Like it's, it's kind of a Branson versus Branson is also a good example for kind of showing like showing the way and kind of showing the people interest side of things. Branson is from Virgin, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually haven't seen any news. I, I'm not that big of a follower of Branson, but I do see. It's, it's uh, very people. It's very people yeah. based and people oriented. I, I have seen some Instagram stuff yeah. uh, and you usually see him, you know, interacting with people. Yeah, I, I can see that. So would you, how would you, based on their description, that this is something fun, how would you rank Elon, Bezos, Branson, and Gates on that scale? See, Bezos is really like, I don't know. I, I think the thing with Bezos is like, I have no idea what his personality is behind his work life. So I couldn't even, so you're, and, and it's really weird that both Bezos and Gates went to a divorce. True. Isn't that like really weird? I, I haven't even thought about it, but now that you mention it, yeah, it, it is very recent. Yeah. It isn't it weird that both brands and, and Elon. <laughs> never got married, but did Branson get married? I don't know, but they're both kind of these forever, forever. Okay. Uh, I, I want to throw in a curveball because yeah. if you're talking about the successful, powerful individuals in the world, if you're looking about wealth influence in, you know. Actually, so, Branson actually is married, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It's all gentlemen. I cannot think on the top of my head of a female that is on par with either of these guys in terms of what they're doing in this space. Of course, there are, you know, powerful female leaders, but at this scale, what Elon is executing, what- No, like uh, you're, you're focusing maybe too much on the tech space. Yeah. I think Ariadne Huffington is, is a name that comes Oprah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oprah, that's a good one. Yeah. Oprah, Oprah doesn't come up in the tech space. If you're talking about someone who has, has established as much as these names, you would name Oprah. But if you're looking from it, from a tech perspective, it's, it's different because there's no tech. If you're looking from a fortune 500 company, there isn't yet because Mills got a head start by far. So it is not a fair comparison. Like the, the, if you're, if you're gonna 50 years from now, if you're gonna, if there's still a fortune 500, I probably it's gonna be called different, but if there's that list, the amount of female entrepreneurs is gonna be humongous. It might not be 50, 50, but it will be 10 times over what it is now. So, but, but it, it takes time. It's, I, it's like, it's not a fair comparison because like how, at what point, let's take the U S for example. When were women on Yeah, that, 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 that's not talk not. about Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> that, that is a scandal. But these, but the male scandals, the male version of these scandals have happened so many times in the past. So yeah. that's kind of, now it's the first time that a woman. Okay, let's, 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 let's so rephrase really this. There. How do you see this, especially with, you know, there's a lot of movements around women's rights, uh, women in tech in these spaces. How do you see the space evolve in the next 10 years, if you're looking at, you know, entrepreneurship, women in leadership position in these companies, how do you see that? I mean, it's, let's be honest. It's kind of this uphill battle. It's not, it's first of all, it's not a fully fair battle. It also depends on like how history is written and who writes history. Mm. 
because in the academics in in the, the academic scene we've already seen the switch yeah yeah if, if you're looking yeah, at the academics where we've already seen this switch. the ratio is like ridiculous but, right now yeah but i mean so it's i don't feel it's a fair comparison i can't say when it's going to happen but it's definitely happening it's definitely it's it's the 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 gap is is, is becoming less but it's still tough i mean yeah well, one that immediately comes to mind for me if, if we're talking about tech and services we're using probably one you are using as well is canva uh canva's uh, founder is uh, melanie perkins is kind of one of the women in tech that's kind of made it big, no, not on the scale of Oprah, uh, I mean, Elon, Gates, etc. But that's one that stands out for me at least. Yeah, but it's, it's also, there are so many different elements. There's so many, there's so much prejudice. There, there's so many layers that I would have to, this is the first time I'm, I'm thinking of Saswat at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying like, listen, India's big. Don't, we don't need to dissect it. <laughs> don't think that you spoke with somebody from India and you know what India's like. It's like I can travel twenty miles and I don't understand yeah. anybody. Please understand the difference. And it's same with with these yeah. with these layers. This is this is something that that it's it's only recently coming to light. And there's so much and and we we are not even touching the minority aspect. Yeah. So there's so many minorities. There are so many, there's so many glass ceilings that you have to consider. I was in a kind of a youth chamber of a very big international organization. And they have this yearly meeting of that big international organization. And then there's a select group of the youth chamber that's allowed to go visit that, that certain event. And they make this big announcement that from the youth chamber, from everywhere around the world, there was equality that there were just as many women or young female leaders and young different quality minus inclusivity. Yeah, they were inclusive. They had everything and there were more women that men that came and from different ethnicities from all over the world. But at the event itself, the people that spoke there were all from the same color and they were all male. Yeah. So it's like, it's like this facade of like that the world is already there, but it's, it's not. And we should, we should, of course you can find it in certain ways, but we should acknowledge it. We should accept it. I mean, acceptance is the first step that's saying like, yeah, this, this doesn't really work because we're still not really that diverse as that we want to be. And I think it's interesting and I don't want to go too much into COVID, COVID politics, but Novak Djokovic is a very interesting case where a lot of professional tennis players beat up on Djokovic for saying like this media story with Djokovic is kind of taking all the attention away from what the sport is about playing tennis. And then one of the female tennis players actually said like, hold on a second. Djokovic is always the first player to come up for other players. And when he's in trouble, nobody's coming up for him. And something similar with, with Kyrie Irving, an NBA player who says, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And he was kind of outcasted all over. He wasn't allowed to even go to certain states. And he actually, out of his own pocket, paid expenses for female WNBA players who, because of COVID restrictions, were not allowed to play that season. And eventually, they called him up saying like, hey, our whole team of players that is vaccinated is currently <laughs> in quarantine and we don't have enough players. Can you please come play? So first it was like, you're not vaccinated. Oh, as wow. long as you're not vaccinated, you can play. And now it's like, our vaccinated players are actually in quarantine because too, too many people 
who are actually vaccinated tested positive, so can you complain? And this is a very interesting social dilemma and a very interesting social topic that we don't talk about. Because whenever we talk about vaccine, and even if you're pro-vaccine, you talk about the effect of the vaccine and you've talked from it from a technical perspective, but you don't talk about it from a social perspective. Yeah, the socioeconomic perspective. And I think the same, the same mistake is being made when we talk about wealth and about finance and economics and how a company or a country is developing. We talk a little bit too much about finance and we talk a little too little about education. And even when we talk about education, we talk about the technical aspect of education. We talk about certain subjects that you have to have and what you have to learn about the subjects, but we don't talk about why we need that information. I mean, if you're in the developing country and you get a school book from a Western country and you learn things that are useful in a Western society, and you try to teach people from a developing country, those kind of topics that you only need in Western society. Yeah. It's, it's happened over and over here. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens and I benefit from it because I then go to study in a Western society and I kind of already have certain basics, but like for somebody who has no intention whatsoever, who probably can't even get a visa to get into a Western country and has to learn that in schools, that's something that they will actually never hear, where instead they could have learned something else, which would be way more useful in their environment. I mean, these are things that we don't talk about because, and there's, there's talk, I mean, there are different school systems that focus on these things. There are, but it's really from a policy level, not talked about enough. We've kind of railed into an area that we usually don't uh, go into much depth yet, but I think maybe we should look for someone who's very vocal in this space or active in this space on education in particular. I think that's something we should definitely put on our to-do for at least uh, the first half of this year. And if, if you got any recommendations locally, feel free to share with us, but yeah, let's see. Do we have any time for any more quick over under? Yeah, we can, we can do, we can do quick over under. So, and anything that let's keep this short, any topics you saw trending in, in your feeds recently that you thought, huh, yeah. this is interesting. The chaos legion opens public sale. <laughs> oh, what was that? The recent? Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. The public sale is open now. You can, I think you can buy, you can purchase with all vouchers. They did it. It's the sellout. <laughs> I, I was well, expecting like, to that happen. Uh, I think they sold over 2 million packs already since it opened up for sure. Yeah. I, I was out this weekend. Uh, yeah. it's actually on the, on the, uh, steel mirror. And funny thing is, you know, how in the interior things run on generators. So at night I didn't have internet cause the generators went out. So the, <laughs> the, the telecommunication towers weren't sending signals. So there was no reception only during the day. That that was the first time I experienced something like that. All right. The chaos legion. I'm going to check that out later. Although I'm not sure. We can do it straight after this uh, talk. I don't know. Let's get it over with. Yeah. I'm here on peak now. Okay. No, I can't stay too long after the stream, but yeah, I, I've been. The next few weeks are going to be heavy for me. I started with ITU, started with wildlife preparations, and I need to write another project. So I'm not looking forward to the next month. <laughs> okay. We're going to keep it clean. We're going to keep it easy and we're going to keep it fun. So what can people expect from this episode? What can they listen back to it? And yeah, uh, we are regularly posting now, I think. The last week should be published later today because so, I just finished the edit, but usually by the weekend, you should be able to re-listen to this episode for next week. We have a confirmed schedule this time, right? Uh, looking at you, Shen Luke. Yes. So we will dive deeper into some more tech stuff, uh, web free stuff. So if you're interested in that, tune in. Speaking of web free, actually seen a Twitter space last 
weekend of some, I think locals talking about yeah. a web, no, not the Timothy. No, how some I think. Yeah. 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 I, I saw, I was in there briefly, but maybe we should get him on, see how they're thinking about the space. That's a good Definitely. idea. I, I don't know him personally. Do you know him? But we can, we can approach. Yeah. We can always can reach out. So that's going to happen next week and in the next few weeks. So with that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode and until next week. This was Social Kung Fu. See you back next week. Same place, same time. Swai, swai.